you're listening to Digital Disruption, a health wallet podcast dedicated to sharing insights on how you can cut through the noise of a complex healthcare system. Hey there, welcome to the Healthcare Podcast brought to you by the experts at Health Wallet. I am your host, Hillary Kennedy, and on this episode of the Healthcare Podcast, we are speaking to Daniel Corliss, executive at BSP and DC Angel. And you know, healthcare, it has never been more top of mind than the past year and a half. So today's episode really centers on innovation in health plan design and commercial health insurance, as well as venture capital in healthcare. So Daniel, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, okay, so before we dive in, I would love to find out from you how your relationship with Ryan Copeland at Health Wallet came about. Yeah, that's interesting. We got connected on LinkedIn. I was sort of developing a health plan and a partner agency that acts sort of as a GA at the time. And I think Ryan had reached out to me and he said, hey, do you guys need any type of technology or telehealth service for these ecosystems that you're building? And uh, of course, I said, yeah, let, let's take a look at it. Come to find out, Ryan comes from the same stomping grounds as I did up in Portland, Oregon. And he developed, well, he had ran and then sold an agency, uh, an employee benefits agency up there. So he was connected with a lot of the same folks that I was, had background in the same industry. So there was a lot of synergy. Um, we started to partner on building out some of these new health plan ecosystems. And then I actually ended up meeting with him in Austin, Texas, a few months after we went out and had drinks and um, sort of talked about the future. And so it was it was great meeting Ryan. Um, we had a lot of background together and uh, it just made a lot of sense. It's always nice. I always love hearing how people kind of got connected and, and developed these different ways to work together. So that's that's neat that you guys have that history together. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about healthcare benefit designs. They structure health insurance plans and they dictate how consumers can gain access to healthcare services and providers. And now more than ever, they are on the minds of companies big and small. So I would love to know what innovations are taking place in healthcare design, especially in commercial health insurance. Gosh, that's a big ball of wax, Hillary. So (laughs) there's a lot going on, but I would say some of the most critical components that are sort of teed up for us today are the transparency laws that have taken effect. There were a few that have already taken effect and then a few more um, that are taking effect later on this year, which basically makes hospital reimbursements and their contracts with different insurance providers non-secretive. And so every hospital system in the United States is supposed to be posting um, their contracts and their cash prices for all of their basically their charge master services. So the services that they would regularly have displayed to the public. So all the reimbursements for those services are supposed to be also made public now, as far as what they're reimbursed by each carrier um, and also like regional networks and direct contracts that are in their market. Um, That's a big deal because previously employers and brokers didn't have access to that information. So they didn't know what the competitiveness of entering certain contract agreements for different PPO networks and, you know, other regional agreements were, were going to do for them. And so now that, you know, Pandora's box has sort of been opened as far as knowing what those are and knowing how much people have been getting ripped off for decades, basically. 
Mm-hmm. And so that parlays into network design. So when we're building health plans for employers, or maybe it's more of like a broader health plan ecosystem where we're building a regional network for a group of employers, not just one, we have more data and more leverage to have those conversations with hospitals and providers about the competitiveness of those reimbursements, how those reimbursements can affect the local economy, how those relationships can either strengthen or deteriorate those local markets. And so we can be much more sharpened as advisors and consultants for those, not only those employers, but also for local practitioners and local hospitals and sort of be the connector directly from hospital to employer. So we no longer really need networks like we did in years past. And that's going to continue to evolve more towards, I think, and I hope a, a community relationship between employer and provider. And so that's probably the neatest, most challenging thing that's happening right now. But I think it's going to do great things for health plans and local communities going forward. I agree. That's a very big deal. Um, And kind of on that note, I would love to know about venture capital funding for health tech innovators. Is this considered an important indicator of their value propositions and also their potential for long-term success? Absolutely. I love the VC space because I can identify health tech entrepreneurs and founders that are creating awesome business models, awesome technology, awesome products and services for the health plans that I serve and my downstream clients. And so if I see something that I really like and I see a a startup that's basically they're doing things sustainably, ethically and responsibly, and I want to help promote their growth and their success, I can invest capital into that company, and then also insert them into the health plan ecosystems, into the channel partnerships, the health plans, uh, to get them to rapid scalable growth for that technology and that product and service set, whatever that is. And um, that bodes really well for everybody, just like we were talking about you know, community health and that making sense for providers and payers. But now we're being able to promote community-based organizations and groups of founders who are trying to do the right thing for those communities and really set local community growth on fire. So I'm able to put capital resources and expertise behind that, which is just, it's the coolest, greatest feeling in the world to be able to serve both sides. I, I can't tell you how much I love being a part of that, but, and yes, the, the capital resources and expertise that we're able to allocate for those founders speaks a lot to their technology and their likelihood of future success. And so if me and my partners are investing in something, it's because we see a lot of potential and trust me, we don't miss much when we do diligence. So like if we're looking at it and we've invested in it, it's, likely going to do really well and it's going to do really great things for the health plans that we serve. Well, and you, you know, you talked about how rewarding it can be and and that's one of the best feelings, but you've also mentioned there are some challenges. So I would love to know what some of the challenges that healthcare innovators face when they're, they're trying to just sustain and find success in the future. 
Yeah, so there are a lot of challenges. So you might have a group of founders who are really good at building a technology, like they're, let's say that they're really good, like Ryan and his team, right? They're, luckily, Ryan is a super smart guy and he understands health and benefits better than most people I know. But let's say it's just a group of techie wizards that know how to build a really cool app in a really cool website that does really cool things, but they don't understand the market that they're trying to sell into and support. That's where it gets tricky because they have something awesome, but they don't know what to do with it. They don't have the relationships to help that proliferate and get to massive scalable revenue. And so that's probably the biggest challenge is just, hey, we have something awesome and cool here. What do we do with it? Well, Daniel and his team can help figure that out for you. You know, Ryan, people like him and his team at, at the Health Wallet, same same scenario. So aligning yourself with the right people, with the right expertise, the right relationships is the biggest key to success in this industry. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't like using the quote or the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But it's both. It, it really is true. It's it's what you know. You have to be smart. You have to have an awesome product and service. But you also have to know people. So very important. Well, so in addition to providing that capital, and you just kind of touched on this, how important is it for investors to really coach and support health tech innovators with their, their industry and their regulatory expertise? Because it sounds like that's a, a big piece of this. Super important. And especially now when the VC space, you know, everyone's an angel investor now, myself included, everyone's, you know, there's there's a lot of venture capital money, you know, family offices are growing at at an absurd rate like they've you know never have before. So there's plenty of money, there's plenty of capital um, to help put that money at risk and create jobs and not a lot of expertise behind it. You, you see a lot of funds explode, do really well for, for a short period of time. Like there's just a lot of fire, a lot of gas, but it they they implode pretty quickly because they're not doing solid diligence. They're not looking at the big picture. They don't have SMEs that are incredible in, in the work that they do. And that's what's being missed. So it's it's very, very important to have all those components other than just the capital. You have to be able to put strength behind that to help those founders grow into their markets and also expand into other markets as well. We're seeing a lot of that with AI, ML, and quantum in, as it applies to healthcare, where we're creating markets that previously didn't exist with those technologies. So let that sink in for a moment. It's an incredible time to be alive. I agree. And I, I love your positive attitude about all of this. You know, the, the world has been changing so quickly in the past couple of years. So it's great to see such a, a positive and upbeat perspective because the opportunities are really limitless, which I, I think is fantastic. So I want to know outside of commercial health insurance and VC angel life, what are you up to these days? Um, what's kind of on the, the horizon for you now? Well, I have the the angel investing that I'm doing now. So I'm kind of the, you know, I'm kind of a solo ninja out there doing some angel investments that are, that are pretty exciting. Um, I'm, I haven't announced this yet until today, but I'm actually building a family office and 
that's been incredible work. I've, you know, this is a space that's still new to me. Um, even the VC angel world, I've been in this for about a year, maybe a little over a year now. And so getting to build my own family office for my family, my loved ones, people I care about and want to support has been one of the most incredible journeys I've ever been on life-changing. That's been really neat, really emotional, but incredible at the same time. So that's probably the biggest thing I'm working on. Well, that is fantastic. Congratulations. That's got to be a great feeling. Thank you. Yeah, it, it truly has been. So before we wrap up, I would love to know if you are reading anything interesting right now, if you have any recommendations for our listeners, what what's keeping your brain going every day? Yeah, there's a couple different books. I, I listen to books primarily. If if I try to read something with my eyes, I go to I'll be asleep within five to ten minutes, <laughs> guaranteed. So the way that I retain information is is through listening. So Never Pay the First Bill by Marshall Allen is probably it's it's the newest release in our industry in the self funding world. That um, it, it seems like there's about one key book per year that affects our industry. And, and this is definitely the book of the year. So Marshall Allen is a investigative journalist that wrote this book called Never Pay the First Bill. And it's about basically big picture is that we need more consumerism in healthcare. The lay person, let, let's say you and I are lay people and we go to a hospital or one of our family members goes to a hospital, and they get a balanced bill. We just think, oh gosh, we got to pay that. You know, there's there's no way the hospital's not correct, and there's no way the insurance company is making a mistake. We're on the hook for this. We better pay this bill, or we're going to be sent to collections, or we're going to have this massive debt, and our lives are going to be ruined. Question everything. If you're being billed by, if you're getting a balance bill from a provider, or you know your insurance company is saying you owe more money, just think about the fact that one in about every six claims is either fraudulent or duplicate or has a mistake or error of some kind. One out of every six medical bills. So chances are you have either a fraudulent, a duplicative or uh, a mistake or error, some sort of coding, upcoding error on your bill. So don't pay it. Always question that first bill, try to negotiate it down or fight it. So Incredible book. If, if, if you haven't listened to it or read it um, and you're in this self-funded space, I highly encourage you to do that. The only other book right now that I'm listening to is called The Motivation Manifesto by Brendan Burchard. And basically, it's pretty neat. I'm only about halfway in. It's just about not taking life for granted, basically, which has, is hitting home a lot in, in a lot of areas for me right now because... I'm not leaving a lot on the table as far as life goes recently. And um, anyways, I like everything this guy is saying. So, Well, I love that. And you're right. I mean, I think for a lot of us, we've, we've been focusing more on what we're grateful for and um, all the, the amazing blessings that we have. So that sounds like a great read. And that first book you mentioned, I am definitely getting, because I think all of us have gotten a medical bill where we looked at it and thought like, well, what is this? I, I don't remember any of this. So it sounds like that book would also be incredibly helpful. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's a really good book. There, there was a book that was written last year as well um, called The Price We Pay. And um, I would put that as 
the third recommendation, but um, we, we won't go into books any further. We'll, we'll keep it right there. <laughs> well, Daniel, this has been such a fun conversation. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to share your expertise and also just give us some, some recommendations for good reading. We could always use more of those. So thank you so much for, for sharing your time today. Thank you, Hillary. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. Well, I want to thank all of you for tuning in to this latest episode of the Healthcare Podcast. If you would like to see more, hear more, watch future episodes, stay up to date, make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back with another episode soon. But until then, I have been your host, Hillary Kennedy. Thanks so much for watching.